we are launching into a new, a new series. Um, we have been considering for some time the resurrection and resurrection life and power um, and our living hope in the resurrection, but uh, we are now moving into a new series. And uh, this new series is entitled Returning to Rebuild. Returning to Rebuild. Um, and we're going to be in the Old Testament, Old Te- the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Um, you know, some people say, I, you know, I like to stick in the New Testament, and, but you don't know what you're missing. Right. <laughs> right. And, and in fact, Paul had Paul told the Romans, like, listen, the things that were written in those times in, in Romans 15 and 4, things that were written, in those, those things were written for our instruction so that by the, the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have endurance and find hope. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's purpose. There's purpose. So we're we're in Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is is someone used by God to help His people uh, complete the restoring work and live the restored life that God desired for them. How's that sound? <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> the, the the book Nehemiah demonstrates how the spiritual and practical work of rebuilding. Go hand in hand. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual work, but it's also a practical work. Um, we, we'll see that, that returning, uh, this call to return, returning can be, uh, could be uh, in, from a physical absence, but it could also be from a spiritual absence. The spiritual absence, that's, that's being indifferent toward what God calls important. Uh, it's returning. It's a returning. Uh, having, having been scattered ourselves by some circumstances beyond our control, we will find here in, in, in Nehemiah a, a path to return and rebuild right here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all got nervous. It started sounding like work, didn't it? Y'all got, say, I better not say amen too loud. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Let's, let's, let's start there at the beginning. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. And I, I'll begin reading at verse 1. And, and I, did that, I did that long intro to give you time to find Nehemiah in your, in your Bibles. <laughs> but see, the devices, when you had the device, it doesn't, there's no gaps. Amen, amen. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Keselev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days 
And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his and keeps and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Uh, We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, through, uh, though, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was the cupbearer to the king. I was the cupbearer to the king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you now for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering of the saints, Lord, and uh, people here uh, to glorify you, Lord. Um, we thank you now for the opening of your word, Lord. We pray um, that it will find free course in our hearts, our minds, our spirits, Lord, as it goes forth. Pray for clarity and, oh God, um, for a move of your spirit. Um, God, have your way in here, Lord. We pray grace and blessings over those that are here and every household represented here, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I ask for fresh anointing to preach, anointing to receive your word, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In her, in her travels, a wealthy lady experienced some cold weather. Uh, as she was shivering, she turned to her servant to remind her to send some warm blankets to the poor people when they got back home. She arrived at her uh, luxurious, warm home took off her furs and, and, and over a cup of tea made herself comfortable. Later, when the servant reminded her of, of the promised blankets, her reply was, ah, yes, I remember. But it's nice and warm now. <clears throat> she says, it's nice and warm now. The, the, the temporary shivering she'd experienced 
wasn't enough to make her act on a condition that she was no longer facing. Uh, it, it, was, it was there for a moment. What, what is enough to drive you into action? What's enough to drive you into action? Uh, shift gears out of indifference and apathy and into action. What's enough? Uh, I, I, I would propose an answer, and that answer uh, would be the title of the sermon, Holy Heartbreak. Holy Heartbreak. Um, it's, there's, a, there's a big idea that you, you can see flowing in the text that, if you would, that God often prepares his people to take part in answering the prayers that break their hearts. Did you, did you, did you hear it? He... he he prepares. We'll see it as we go. Um, because we, we dived into the Old um, Testament, just I, I want to give you a short um, con- context for it, for the book of Nehemiah. The, <clears throat> the book of Nehemiah uh, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible is, is, is connected as one book, book with the book of Ezra. Here in our, in our, in our text, in our, in our scriptures, in our canon of scripture, they, they, they're preserved as two books. Uh, and they're of the same general time period, both Ezra and Nehemiah, they, they both display God's holiness and faithfulness in restoring his people after their exile in Babylon. Before, before even entering, let me back up, before even entering the land that God was giving to his people Israel, he gave commands, commandments stating his, his terms for them to be considered his people, uh, entering the land and, and, and for them to be participating in the blessed life that he would make available for them. Many died being unfaithful before even entering the land. Uh, they, they broke the terms right away. Then after entering and, and, and God marking his presence with them, through uh, worship in his temple at Jerusalem, the people were still soon to be found unfaithful. Following after their their failing human kings, uh, they they broke covenant with God. and, and, And he sent nations, like he said he would, that conquered and removed them from the land into exile. Uh, can I just pause here? It, God reminds me, it, it, he, he spoke this in Deuteronomy, but he reminds me of a, of, a, of a mother going into a store with a child. And she said, when we get in here, don't touch anything. Don't ask for anything. And, and, then, and then soon as they crack the door, what does the child do? Start touching, asking it. <clears throat> and then the mother has to rem- gently remove the child. Eh? No, God said he was going to send nations to remove them from the land. And those nations came and they conquered and they removed them from the land and took them into exile. It was first, uh, first uh, uh, the nation of Assyria and then uh, uh, Babylon, um, Assyria in the north and Babylon in the, south, in the southern portion uh, of Israel, the territory. Um, but still in his faithful mercy, the Lord begins touching the heart of foreign kings and his own servants to cause the people of Israel to be returned to the land. Now they, 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 they fall under Persian rulers and 
the, the first group of exiles returned and, and they rebuilt the altar that was destroyed uh, for worship and, and along with rebuilding the, the broken down temple that Nebuchadnezzar had ransacked and broken down. Uh, um, a, a, after some years of resistance, they, they, they brought it, they raised it back up. Then over 80 years later, a second group returned with Ezra the scribe. And then 13 years after them, discovering that more work was, was still needed to be done, Nehemiah's heart is burdened for his people. And that's what we find here. We find Nehemiah here burdened for his people. Consider what sets Nehemiah on a path of, of returning and rebuilding. Consider it. <clears throat> in, in verses 1 to 3, the scripture <clears throat> positions Nehemiah uh, in a place in, in actual history so that you know it's not just a, 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 a cute story or some narrative, but, but it's, it's pointing to a time and a location where the words of the text were actually taking place. Uh, um, from the details given here at the beginning, in the beginning of uh, chapter 2 as well, we, we can determine that the, the setting is uh, uh, somewhere in our, in our November, December range of 445 B.C. And, and, and it's taking place there at the winter residence of the king of Persia in, in Susa, a place called Susa, about a, a, a 150 miles north of the Persian Gulf today. Uh, uh, there, there, there. It was, it was there that, and then that, that Nehemiah ran into a group of men with his brother uh, coming from Judah. Uh, not all of the exiles that had uh, returned uh, home when, when freedom was given, some stayed in Babylon. But uh, um, and some others remained and even traveled between the Persian capital and the region of Judah. And as these men uh, came upon Nehemiah, considering the folks who had returned to the land to stay and rebuild their lives, Nehemiah took the time to ask how things were going. And, 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 and it was more than like our common, how's it going? Or how you doing? Uh, which is usually more of a statement that uh, instead of a question that we want an answer to, uh, does y'all don't do that right um you you really don't expect someone to tell you how they're doing when you when you when you give that uh it it was more of it it happened to me just this morning somebody asked how I was doing and on the reflex I just went to say uh, yeah oh I'm great I'm great I wasn't great (laughs) I've been battling some things all week and I I wasn't but 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 uh um, when, when we consider all that Nehemiah's question leads to here in this text, we, we might want to reconsider our intentions when we ask folks how they are. Uh, uh, are we being uh, uh, courteous or, or curious or, or concerned? Uh, do, do we actually care how they are? Nehemiah caring led to some things that would be amazing uh, 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 in the future of the nation. Nehemiah cared and asked about the people and the land. And then the report that Nehemiah got, uh, it, it wasn't that different than the report we get on the nightly news, the world news. Have you, anybody brave enough to look at the news lately? 
Uh, um, I, 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 let me summarize for you. Things were bad. Just like on our news today, things were bad. Uh, um, they started just using words of this great trouble. When the, the words great trouble that they used describing the state of the people there back in the territory in Judah, it, 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 translate a, it translates a, a Hebrew word with the idea of something life threatening, uh, uh, some danger or, or calamity. <clears throat> if things were far from the, 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 them being the shining light and example of a nation that they were called to be. The conditions that they were in were disgraceful. They were still living in the ruins of a conquered people. The walls of the city represented its, its security and a sense of peace uh, for those that lived there. And even though many years had passed since they had returned to the land and the, and the temple had been rebuilt and altered and the, the charred city gates and rubble where the walls once stood showed the exiles weren't living restored lives. Things weren't good. Uh, the environment showed things weren't good. Some people might remember here that you might remember the, the, the shock and the an uneasy feeling of, of seeing um, on the news, maybe, or in person, businesses broken into and boarded up during protests last summer. Uh, 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 it was a shocking thing. Here, even here in Wilmington, it was, it was eerie walking through the, a boarded up downtown that, that's usually lively and, and bubbly. Um, it was an eerie feeling. It showed that something wasn't quite right, but, but what, what do you think when, when, and feel when you, when you see a, a neighborhood full of abandoned homes with boarded up windows and doors? Uh, um, do you see it? Does, does, does it make you ask, how's it going with the folks living there? Listen to Nehemiah's response to the report of the city and, and, and the people. We, we're going to stay in the Old Testament. We won't ask about what's going on today. Yes, we will. <laughs> Nehemiah's response, look, look. He says, as, <clears throat> as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Even though Nehemiah isn't, isn't living back in the land, something makes him um, uh, able to, to, to do what, what most people are unable to do. Most people don't, don't respond deeply to things that don't directly touch them. Uh, they, they, they need to be proximate to the pain. Um, normally, you need to be close to someone or something to feel the, the pain of it. Uh, uh, that, that's something that's in the makeup of, of, of a lot of people. He demonstrates, Nehemiah demonstrates something I call, I call spiritual proximity. He, he, was, he was close to him spiritually. This is when God allows a thing to get inside your system it maybe even plants it there and, and, and it so bothers you that you have, have to respond in some way. Uh, God, God gives you some kind of a divine irritation about a thing and, and, and you can't let it rest. It won't rest. Um, 
He had spiritual proximity. Nehemiah responds in two ways uh, to the report. He responds with heartbreak and he responds with prayer. Um, Nehemiah, who, who's this is the this is the um, the irony of it. Nehemiah, whose name means Yahweh comforts, is heartbroken. He he, he has an emotional reaction of weeping over the condition of the people and the city. You know, it's been said that a person's character can be seen in the things that they laugh at and what they cry about. Um, Nehemiah's tears over situations that, that technically weren't his problem, they, they reflected a godly character going on with Nehemiah. His, his constant weeping also puts him in good company because the prophet Jeremiah, when he was recognizing that the trouble, uh, that, that the trouble was, was, was on the way for the people before the exile, Jeremiah said he wished that he had, had enough tears to cry all night and all day long for his people. Jeremiah said, I can't, I don't, my body can't produce the tears that I need to cry for what's going on in Jeremiah 9 and 1. But more than just feeling bad or, 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 or being emotional, Nehemiah's posture of continuous weeping and, and mourning, uh, it, it demonstrates that God had given him a holy heartbreak. He had a holy heartbreak. Uh, it, it leads Nehemiah uh, to, to turn to God in prayer. That's the second thing he did. He turned to God in prayer, um, seeking the Lord to address the thing he's now heartbroken and burdened about. Um, no, notice, um, holy heartbreak doesn't lead him to, to passive prayer. Uh, uh, soft, um, I want to say tiddlywinks kind of prayer. Uh, uh, it, 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 it doesn't, it, it, he he digs in, uh, removing the distractions by, through, through his, his fasting and preparing his heart as he just continuously, passionately reaches out to God in pleading prayer for the report that he just received. Does anything burden your heart like this? What do you mourn for? What do you mourn for? Listen to the prayer that he prays. He says, and I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Watch this. We have acted very corruptly against you and, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Before asking for anything, uh, I'm not going to ask anyone in here about the last time you prayed before church today. I just want you to watch Nehemiah. Before asking for anything, Nehemiah opens with a, a two-part confession. 
he, he first confesses who God is. He says, <clears throat> God of heaven. God of heaven is a, is a title that brings to mind God's sovereign reach beyond uh, 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 the borders of Jerusalem and Israel. That God is, is, is sovereign. And, 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 and it might sound, uh, you know, I used to think when I was a little boy, when I used to listen to the deacons stand up and pray and they would and they would say, oh, Lord, great, and mighty and awesome God. They would they would they would pile on these words about God. And I'd be thinking as a little boy, like, is he going to pray or, is you know, I, I'm being transparent. I was a little boy when I was a child. I. Thought like, like a child, right? <clears throat> but now I'm a man. So, 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 but, but Nehemiah isn't praying with like fluff and, and flair. He's not trying to impress God. He, he, when he's calling God great and awesome, he's acknowledging what he knows of God's attributes and character. He's confessing the truth about God as he prays. It was, it was how Moses had described God in Deuteronomy 7 and 21 when, uh, when he was trying to give Israel some confidence when they were headed into the promised land that he's a great and awesome God. <clears throat> awesome. That, 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 the awesome means the thing that you, you encounter and it causes all your physical uh, attributes to just shut down. An awesome God, great and awesome. And so uh, Daniel uses the same words to open his prayer. When the time was coming for the return from exile and Daniel looked around and said, I think God is up to something. And Daniel starts praying in the same exact way in Daniel chapter 9. Nehemiah declares also the, the faithfulness of God and his love and his promises. So he's great. He's awesome. He's the God of heaven. He's, and he's faithful and full of faithful love. Uh, he, he is the God who doesn't forget those he's chosen, even when those he's chosen have forgotten him. This right view of God puts the rest of the prayer into right perspective. Nehemiah knew how to pray. I don't know who taught him how to pray. Um, so, so secondly, uh, acknowledging himself and others as servants of this God he just described. Nehemiah now confesses sin. Uh, he includes himself. Uh, <laughs> He didn't say, Lord, these folks messed up. <laughs> well, he did say that, but he starts here. Uh, he includes himself, <clears throat> his family, and the whole nation uh, uh, as commandment breakers. Um, um, guilty in front of God. <clears throat> Everything from, from the exile to the broken down state of the city was evidence of their sin. It was right there. It was blatant. So he confesses. He agrees. He says the same thing that God would say. Even though Nehemiah is hundreds of miles, almost a thousand miles away, and wasn't even born when the sin of his forefathers in Judah took place, he identifies with them and intercedes, confessing the sin that has been committed. Uh, 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 he, he didn't say I, I wasn't there when that happened. He says it happened and it was sin. The, the fact of the matter is that, that, that no one is free from sin. We read that earlier, amen? Um, no one is free 
from sin according to the scriptures. Um, and, and he wants God's attention, Nehemiah does. And, and so telling the truth, confessing uh, the sin, it's crucial. Um, so, so failing to acknowledge sin is, is, a, is a wedge in communicating with God. It, it blocks it up. You know, the, the church can learn here from, from Nehemiah as he acknowledges personal, communal, and even, you don't like this, even historical sin. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah, that's going to that's click on you on the way home. Historical sin. Mm-hmm. It's just going to come to you. Uh, the, the church can learn as, as, as Nehemiah acknowledges the sin. <clears throat> all of what they've done, uh, all sin, is, is ultimately been against God. And this is the God he's coming to in prayer. The, the message paraphrase says, we've treated you like dirt. Be real with God. Amen? Um, they, they, they didn't accidentally sin, but but actively broke everything God handed to them through Moses. Um, and, and, you know, many people, they don't like the idea. The visitor said, I came on Sin Sunday. That's wrong. I don't like it. Many people don't, don't like the idea of being wrong and would rather either minimize or ignore sin than confess it. But those that refuse to confess it, they likely don't understand and then eventually miss the mercy of God. That mercy of God is released in that truth. Nehemiah throws himself on the mercy of God here in his prayer. He goes on, he says, remember, he's talking to God. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, uh, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, uh, uh, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Having, having no other credit to bring before God, after confessing sin, Nehemiah turns to God's own word, recognizing that it's, it, 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 recognizing it's, it's built-in mercy and God's faithfulness to it. Uh, he says, he says I, I'll go now to his word uh, next in my prayer. He, he locates where God spoke about the situation that they're facing and he and, and speaks it in prayer back to God. Don't miss that. So he, 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 Nehemiah says, remember, knowing God hasn't forgotten, <laughs> but, but, but he's, he's asking him to consider it. Consider your word as, I, as I'm praying to you, Lord. Consider your word. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, before ever entering the promised land, the Lord said already that he would pluck his people out of the land and scatter them for disobedience. But Nehemiah, he, he, he found the but. But he also proclaimed through Moses in Deuteronomy 30 uh, uh, in verses 1 to 5 that he would regather and restore them to the land if they remember his word and repent, turning from sin back to him. 
You find it there in Deuteronomy. You find it in the scripture we read this morning. You find it in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 46 through 54. In order for Nehemiah to pray this way, he had to be familiar with the word of God. We're going somewhere. He had to be familiar with the word of God. There, there's, there's many, there's many uh, folks today who, who attribute their personal thoughts and desires to, to, to God and that, that are desires and thoughts that are nowhere to be found in his word and, and in no way aligned with his character. Uh, but they try to put that on God. I, I sometimes wonder, are, are they even referring to the God of the Bible? Are we talking about a different God? Some of the things that people say. Uh, uh, and, and then, so, so if, I, if I believe when I encounter these people, if I believe that we're, we had the same God in mind, we're, we're talking about the same God, uh, you know, I, I'm sometimes in the habit of, of respectfully asking them to point out what portion of Scripture they got that idea from. Right. If someone can't point out right. the port, the portion of scripture where they where they're getting their ideas about God from I tend to I tend to back I tend to back away from it um even even as the church we we're, we're not at liberty to just make any random claim about God and believe that God is bound to act accordingly we can't just we can't just say what we feel and and say God God's going to back that up He's given us his word and, and, and it's, he's faithful to it and our prayers and our lives should be in step with it, in line with his word. Um, we, we find in his word that, uh, 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 that how Nehemiah is praying and, and discussing the covenant that Moses uh, uh, made, uh, 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 that God used Moses to, to mediate. We find in, in his word that as the church, we, we got a better covenant. You didn't read Hebrews? We have a better covenant and we have a better mediator. So we can, we can pray with even more boldness. Um, but, but we have to know his word to, to, to understand that. Um, and finally, Nehemiah makes the request here. After he, he gives God his, his word back and he confesses and he deals with his mourning and his heartbreak from the report that he's received. He, he finally makes a request, and, and it's, it's a strange request. Why? He says, they are your servants, verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. <laughs> they said, now I was cupbearer to the king. I love that last little sentence on there. He said, by the way, I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah presents God's people back to him. This is the same thing Moses used to do. When, when the people did too much, they was being too much, <laughs> he said, God, these are your people. Amen. Amen. Um, uh, amen. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> I almost said something. See, the Holy Spirit has my tongue. He, he presents them back, and, 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 and um, 
He says they're your people. The, the ones uh, you delivered in the past from Egypt, um, uh, uh, purchasing their freedom with, with, the, with, with so much power and a mighty hand. You've done so much. The, these are the people who belong to you. These are your people in this condition, God. Your people. Nehemiah believes uh, as he gives this all back to God that that the ingredients and the circumstances are right for for God to to finally bring his word to pass, producing the people's complete restoration. Uh, So he asked God to act now. He asked God to act. He begins wrapping up the prayer with some of the same language from verse 6. Uh, we call it an inclusio when it's when it's wrapped up in the same wording. He's he said, but but he uses some of the same words. But here he acknowledges that he's he's not a lone wolf. Listen to this: how he prays. He he prays in a way that includes and connects him with other people of God. Nehemiah is taking for granted here that 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 there is corporate prayer happening. In uh, other places, among the people who take God seriously, he's counting on other God-fearing people to be burdened doing their part in prayer. And Nehemiah brings this before God. We 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 can't we can't miss that 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 that, that this is a this is he 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 mentions it as if it's just a matter of fact. Um. As Nehemiah prays, he, 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 he's recognizing that there's other people praying. But as Nehemiah prays for the Lord to begin answering prayer, he begins to recognize that he has a part to play in answering the prayer he's praying. I'm going to read it one more time. Somebody was drifting off in the back. I'm going to just say it one more time. Uh, as Nehemiah prays, for the Lord to begin answering prayer, he begins to recognize that he has a part to play in answering the prayer that he's praying. There you go. He, he, he recognizes in God's sovereign providence, he's, he's put him, Nehemiah, in a position to act. Uh, if God would help him, Nehemiah says he's ready to go. Um, he, he's not... He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a scribe. He's not a pastor. Uh, uh, his assignment in this begins with being the king's cupbearer. It begins right where he is, being the king's cupbearer. In, in that role, he was, he was trusted and he was honored as, as he would be the one that would sample the king's drink to prevent his, his poisoning. He'd likely be the king's confidant, but he still relies on God to act on his behalf. Uh, Nehemiah has this thing straight. (laughs) But instead of just staying and praying from his position there, Nehemiah is about to put himself in the way. Uh, Most people try to stay out of the way. Nehemiah is about to put himself in the way. And, 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 and as, you, as you read it, if you don't read ahead and, and just reading it at face value, you start to ask, why is this man 
in his high and comfortable position in life, not only concerned about what's happening with people in a distant city, but so burdened about it that he's willing to step off of his perch and out of his comfort to go and do something about it. Why? God has given Nehemiah a holy heartbreak. A holy heartbreak. Is there something broken that bothers you enough to offer yourself to God to serve in his healing it? Amen. Amen. I, I mean, I mean, I mean something you won't, you won't, you won't sit still, you won't rest until God does something about it. I mean, maybe, maybe seeing some uh, a certain place or, or people just missing out on God's plan, it should, it should break our hearts. Uh, but if we find that it doesn't, uh, I mean, we, we, you know, I've, I've had time to wrestle with this and, and we can all wrestle with this throughout. The, if we find that it doesn't, we, we can be praying to God. Let this, let this be our, our praying to God. Uh, God, develop a holy heartbreak in us. Uh, that, 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 that something that would, would overwhelm us to the point that we can no longer be passive or indifferent about it. Uh, uh, stir up a divine irritation in us that, that drives us to our knees in repentance and then puts us on our feet toward community and, and returning to rebuild what we see is broken, whether it be outside or whether it be inside. We, 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 we do this as the church now, looking and remembering that there was another, another person that was so burdened about the brokenness of sin that he wept over Jerusalem. Anybody know who I'm talking about? He wept over Jerusalem. Um, and, and, and whereas Nehemiah steps in now to put himself in the way, uh, this, this other one who came uh, uh, 400 and so years later, he stepped in and put himself in the way, but he put himself in the way until he was killed. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus, so burdened with the love that he had for the world and the broken condition that he was in, that it was in, stepped in, allowed himself to be beaten, crucified, killed. And he's who we look to. And we look to him remembering that he didn't stay dead. (laughs) But on the Thursday morning, I wish I could say early, (laughs) early. He got up with all power in his hands. Let's ask God for a holy heartbreak that will send us on a path to returning to rebuild.